About a month ago, I was scanning Facebook when a post caught my eye. The account is called Find Dean Hair, and when I read it, I was surprised I hadn't heard of Dean's case before. Here's what the Facebook post said. Missing out of the Raleigh, North Carolina area. Possible in Greensboro, North Carolina. Philip Dean Hare. Missing since October 16, 2018. Age 45. Weight 160 pounds. Height 6 feet 1 inch. Eyes brown. Hair brown. Body type average. May or may not have facial hair. Personality. He is known to be extremely funny and smart. Job types. Restaurant, bartender experience. Circumstances. Philip Hare left his apartment and his vehicle. No one has seen or heard from him since. From Philip's family. My family hasn't known where my cousin, Dean Hare, is now for almost three years. He has legally been declared a missing person. He is not the type of person that just decides to leave and stay gone, especially without letting a family member know he is okay. He lived in Raleigh, North Carolina, where he was last seen, but we have a belief that he may be in Greensboro, North Carolina, or even California. We need the public to make this post go viral. Our family needs answers and would love to bring him home. His mother, father, and brother are just grief-stricken over not knowing what happened to him. Any small detail that you may know may help in our searches. There are a number of missing persons cases right here in the Carolinas, and some have received more media attention than others. These are the stories that tug at our heartstrings, make us pray it never happens to anyone in our families, and wonder if there is still any way to find closure for these missing persons and their loved ones. I'm Renee Robertson. Please join me for Missing in the Carolinas. Episode 38, Philip Dean Hare, Jr. After reading the Facebook post, I reached out to the administrator of the Find Dean Hare Facebook page and learned that it is run by Dean's cousin, Lindsay. I contacted her to see if the family would be interested in sharing Dean's story on the Missing in the Carolinas podcast, since we have a lot of listeners from all over the state, as well as other parts of the country. Lindsay put me in touch with Dean's mother, Cindy, where I was able to find out more about Dean and what was happening in his life at the time he went missing. Besides one newspaper article that ran in the Daily Record in Dunn and a paid ad Cindy Hare took out in the Raleigh News and Observer, there hasn't been any media coverage of Dean's case. The family has been told by local media outlets that it isn't newsworthy enough, so I offered to help in any way that I could. Philip Dean Hare Jr. was simply known as Dean by his friends and family. He grew up in eastern North Carolina in the town of Irwin. Dean was always a gifted student and ended up accepting a scholarship at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. But after three years, Dean decided to leave school and begin working in the restaurant industry as a bartender. His mom, Cindy, says she and her husband, Philip, were disappointed when Dean made this choice, but they later came to realize he was probably experiencing burnout and accepted his decision to walk away from his education. He remained committed to everything else in his life after leaving school. At the time of his disappearance, he was living in the Raleigh Apartments, located near the Cameron Village Shopping Center in Raleigh, where he had resided for 14 years. He had also worked as a bartender at a nearby Romano's Macaroni Grill for 12 years, 
and supplemented his income working for a local catering company. Cindy says his hobbies are reading, journaling, walking, meditation, and a general appreciation for the arts. He's always been a private person, but has a kind heart and is willing to help anyone in need if they ask him. She makes no bones about the fact that Dean is gay, but says that his family has always known that and accepted the fact. She doesn't believe he was in a relationship with anyone when he disappeared. Because he had worked in the restaurant industry for so long, which lends itself to late hours, Cindy often talked to Dean on the phone late in the evenings, because that's when he was most available. In late 2017, Dean appeared to be struggling with depression, and he left his job at the Macaroni Grill. Cindy told the Daily Record in Dunn, North Carolina, that she noticed a noticeable shift in Dean's demeanor and mood around Christmas 2017. He said he was just in a slump and would get through it. Cindy and Philip helped Dean because he was struggling to pay his rent, which had never happened before in the time he lived on his own. He told them he would get through it, though, and not to worry, and they tried not to. In August of 2018, Dean decided not to attend his brother's wedding due to finances and also not feeling up to seeing so many people at once. Philip drove to Raleigh to visit with Dean. He wanted to let Dean know that he could always return home to live with them while he got back on his feet. He said, Son, there's no shame in getting behind and something not working out. He said that he and Cindy would help him move his things from the apartment and stay with them in Irwin so he could take some time to rest. But Dean was a prideful man who had lived independently without help for so many years, and he turned down the offer from his parents. A month later, in September 2018, Cindy received a text message that said it was from Dean. In the message, he said he was using a friend's phone and that he had taken a job in Greensboro, which is a little over an hour away from Raleigh, cleaning and painting some apartments. He told her that he was okay, but would be gone for a bit working on this job. He didn't mention who the job was with or where exactly he would be. At first, Cindy just thought maybe Dean had lost his phone, although she wondered a bit about the painting gig, because Dean had never done any contract work like that before. As I mentioned above, Dean is a writer, and had spent many years after college working in the restaurant and food service industry. But Cindy and Philip had made plans to see Dean in early October, so she just figured she would see him then, and all would be okay. Philip was undergoing treatment for lung cancer, and he was scheduled for a doctor's appointment in the Raleigh area on October 16th. On that day, Cindy and Philip had made plans to take Dean out to lunch, and figured they'd go by his apartment to pick him up. But when they got there, he didn't answer the door, and she began worrying because she hadn't heard from him. She called the Raleigh Police Department, explained the situation, and asked for a welfare check. The apartment complex staff provided the officer who arrived with a key to get into the apartment, and they walked through it. Afterwards, he told Cindy and Philip that the apartment appeared clean and undisturbed, and there were no signs of forced entry or a struggle. Dean's car keys were left on the table, and the car was still in the parking lot of the complex. When Cindy talked to a few neighbors, they mentioned Dean had said he was going to Greensboro for a painting job, and no one had seen him for two or three weeks, which was unusual. 
Cindy and Philip talked to employees at the apartment complex on that day as they were waiting for the police to arrive, and they learned that Dean was about two or three months behind on his rent. This was the first they had heard of that, and when they offered to catch the rent up for Dean, they were told no. Cindy and Philip were upset that they were asked to leave the office and wait out in the parking lot for the police, and they're still unsure of why that happened. After the police left, the apartment complex had the sheriff's department put a padlock on Dean's apartment so no one could get in for 30 days. The next day, Cindy hired a law firm in Raleigh in order to try and gain access to Dean's apartment and retrieve his property, since they couldn't write a check to cover the past due rent. When he went missing, Dean's car was older and not drivable, but again, Cindy and Philip could not legally have it towed from the apartment complex because Dean's name was on the title. It stayed in the lot until the city of Raleigh had it towed a few months later. Cindy didn't hear from anyone at the apartment complex until December. It was then that she learned she had one day to remove all the furnishing from Dean's apartment. On December 13, 2018, she was able to find a few guys with a local moving company to help her. It was not an easy task. Dean lived on the third floor and there was no elevator. Dean's family were only allowed to work on this task from the hours of 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. that day, and Dean had lived in the apartment for 14 years at that point. They have rented a storage unit to keep Dean's personal belongings and furniture in. As I talked with Cindy, I learned she has been frustrated because every avenue she has tried to use to locate her son has turned out to be a dead end. Cindy and Philip worked with the Raleigh Police Department immediately to try and figure out what had happened to Dean. While I personally don't know the ins and outs of the investigation, I have to wonder if the fact that Dean was a 42-year-old adult male who had lived on his own for many years may have given the police department pause in the beginning. We often hear this in the case of missing adults, especially ones that are living on their own. It's said that people are allowed to go wherever they please. Unless there is clear physical evidence of someone being harmed, these investigations can be slow to gain traction. But because this was so out of Dean's character, his family was worried. The police interviewed Dean's friends, co-workers, and family members. They said they were making progress, but at the end of December 2021, the family was notified that Dean's case has now been relegated to the cold case division. At the time Dean went missing, Cindy also hired a private detective agency out of Raleigh to work on any leads. But in her opinion, the one employee who worked on the case didn't do a whole lot more other than follow up on Leeds' family had passed on to her, and the experience turned out to be less than ideal. No new information was turned up even with the $2,000 retainer Cindy and Philip paid them. Cindy also contacted another private investigator in North Carolina, but I'm not going to mention his name here because they never had an official agreement. But what he told Cindy gave her hope. After making a few calls... This investigator said he had a mutual friend who also knew Dean, and that Dean had a friend out in California who had paid to get him out there and was taking care of him. Cindy says that she was told, he is homesick, but he is okay. Cindy never heard anything else from the investigator, and after some other issues arose, she wasn't sure if he had been telling her the truth or not, and they ceased trying to work together on Dean's case. Before we continue, let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor. 
I've always enjoyed writing fiction, but I didn't really get serious about it until I was in my 30s. After submitting to the WOW Flash Fiction Contest a few times, I was thrilled when I placed as a runner-up with my piece titled In the Depths. WOW still hosts a quarterly writing contest every three months, and I highly recommend entering it. The entry fees are minimal, and you can also purchase a critique to get feedback on your story once the contest concludes. The mission of this contest is to inspire creativity, great writing, and provide well-rewarded recognition to contestants. The contest is open globally to writers of all ages, and entries must be in English. And the best part is that the contest is open to all genres, from romance to science fiction to thriller suspense to literary fiction. The Spring 2022 Flash Fiction Contest with literary agent Sharon Pelletier with the DCNB Literary Agency closes on May 31st. Learn more by visiting wow-womenonwriting.com and click on the contest tab. And now, let's get back to the show. Dean's family does wonder if he could have gone missing on his own. Dean's cousin, Lindsay, and her mother are both active on social media and have seen some messages about Dean, and they have also been contacted by people claiming to be friends of Dean's. They sent me some screenshots they have taken over the past three years. Here is a text from a conversation a woman named Angela sent Dean's aunt, Charlene Hubbard, on November 15, 2018. This all occurred via Facebook Messenger. I just heard from Dean. He says he is okay and safe. When Charlene asked the woman if Dean knew his family was looking for him, Angela replied, Yes, and I've asked him to at least call his mom and to let her know he is okay. Angela said she did not know Dean's number and that he wouldn't tell her where he was. Charlene then asked the woman to ask Dean what his grandfather's name was. Angela messaged back, Ralph. When Charlene asked what Ralph's middle name was, Angela typed, Pinky, P-I-N-K-Y. He said he had to go now, she added. Dean's grandfather's middle name was Pinckney, and his full name was Ralph Pinckney Pope. So this was close, but Dean's aunt and cousin still weren't sure if the message was from someone who was actually speaking with Dean at the same time. Dean's family also saw messages posted online from some of Dean's friends that mentioned they hoped he was pulling the ultimate ninja, and one friend named Christina even said he had prepped her well before he left. She also mentioned Dean told her he wasn't close with his family, so she was hesitant to say anything about what she knew when she talked to the private investigator who was working on the case. During this Facebook exchange on the post, Another female friend even went so far as to say this. I feel so badly for his mom. He really presented his family dynamics in a completely different light when speaking to me. He was very reticent about participating in his brother's wedding, but said he would for the family. I just can't believe Dean dropped off the face of the earth like this. I think about him so often. I pray that he's somewhere and okay. At this point, no one knows if Dean actually went to Greensboro to take the painting job, or if that's just what he told his friends, family, and neighbors so they wouldn't worry. Cindy does not believe Dean would have harmed himself. He knew he was loved, and his family would do whatever they needed to in order to help him get back on his feet. 
But these social media messages and Cindy's conversation with the one PI also point in the direction that Dean may have left on his own. At this point, his family does not know what to think. They love him and they miss him, and they think about him every day. Dean's father, Philip, has been diagnosed with stage 3 lung cancer. They just want to know what happened to their son, regardless of the circumstances, as he has now been missing for more than three years. Dean is 45 years old, and we will post a photo of him on our social media pages. You can visit the Facebook page Find Dean Hare for more information as well. Michael Harmon is now the detective in charge of Dean's case at the Raleigh Police Department. The phone number there is 910-891-9613. Anyone with tips can also call Dean's mom, Cindy Hare, at 919-996-1503. Before I end today's episode, I want to mention a John Doe that was found in Iredell County in 1975. His information was listed on a website called Veteran Doe, which compiles John and Jane Doe cases with possible connections to the U.S. military. On September 19, 1975, the body of a black male was found wrapped in blankets on a rural unpaved road near the Davie County line, just off I-40 at the exit of U.S. 64. The dead-end road led to a family campground. A highly flammable liquid was used to burn the victim's body. The man was estimated to be 25 to 40 years of age, had black hair, brown eyes, a mustache and beard, and a possible one to one and a half inch scar on his lower right quadrant. He stood about 5 feet 11 inches tall and weighed 150 pounds. Fragments of Seafarer brand blue denim trousers, the kind used for the Navy, a belt with a metal buckle, and fragments of a white t-shirt were found on the body. The victim was also wearing a pair of blue Ked sneakers. If you have any information on the possible identity of this victim, you can visit the website namus.gov and search the case number number 998. I'll include an artist rendering of the victim on the Missing in the Carolinas social media pages. This brings us to the conclusion of this episode of Missing in the Carolinas. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and give it a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're also now on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, so please like our pages and get started on a discussion of the missing people profiled on the show. Do you know of a missing persons case in North or South Carolina that you think should be covered? Email me at missinginthecarolinas at gmail.com with any details you can share. And don't forget to check out our sponsor, WOW Women on Writing, and the great programs and writing contests they have to support writers at wow-womenonwriting.com. Cover art for this podcast was designed by Macintosh Multimedia. All episodes are researched and written by me, Renee Robertson, with sound editing provided by Mia Robertson. Thanks so much for listening.